What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the tapes, episode nineteen. Today we got special Ed and Jazzo. Both from 1989 is when the last year of the 80s still. Still in the golden era of hip-hop, continuing this on. I have a feeling today will be a little bit more of a shorter episode. Uh, we got two guys here who, not that they're not well-known, but not the biggest names, not the biggest impacts, stuff like that. So we'll see where they finish up, but I wouldn't expect this to be too much of a long one. Getting into Special Ed, whose debut album was in 1989. Birth name, Edward K. Archer, born May 16, 1972, in Brooklyn, New York, United States. Origin is Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York, United States. Genres listed as hip-hop, and years active are listed as 1988 to present. He hasn't had anything too recently. I believe he only had like five projects in total. And he came out in 89. I believe his last project was around 04 or something like that. So he hasn't had anything out recently. But again, probably still active in the game. Not officially retired and things like that. And who knows, maybe he'll drop something in the future. A little bit of background on Special Ed. Edward K. Archer, born May 16th, 1972. Known professionally as Special Ed, is an American rapper and producer. Ed is perhaps best known for the songs I Got It Made, Think About It, and I'm the Magnificent. From his debut album, Youngest in Charge, released in 1989 when he was 16 years old. That's really all it says there, man. Not too much there. Like I said, not anything too, too crazy from either one of these guys. Again, if you're an avid hip-hop fan and you've been following hip-hop for some time, you should definitely know who both of these guys are for sure, but I don't really think people outside of... You know, being a, a big hip-hop fan would know who these guys are. And when you check the background, really not much there. But, I mean, the fact that, you know, his his debut album was released when he was 16 years old is pretty impressive in itself. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly if I was writing rhymes at 16 years old. If I was, I had just started and I definitely wasn't recording anything. But, I mean, at 16 years old, not only were my rhymes probably not really good, but my mind probably wasn't really so good. So, I mean, even even if my rhymes were good, the shit I was talking about probably really wouldn't have been to that much substance or anything of anybody. So, props to him for having his debut album at 16 years old, man. Yay! Let's go to his list. Let's hit random. And okay, ironically enough, we just spoke about when we when we read his background that I'm the Magnificent was one of his more popular songs and something he's kind of, you know, mostly known for. So, this is special ed I'm the Magnificent. I'm the Magnificent. I'm the Magnificent with the sensational style And I could go on and on for like a mile a minute Cause I get in it like a car and drive And if the record is a smash I can still survive Cause I'm the man of steel on the wheel that you're steering Or rather playing on the record that you're hearing You might not understand what I'm saying at first So action love, put it in reverse I'm just conversing with your person, this is just a conversation I'm special ed with a special presentation Hey, I like the place, so for me it's recreation It's not just a job, it's an adventure If worse comes to worse, I've got the thirst quencher But you gotta buy it, 
Don't even try it, I don't rhyme for free No matter how dry it gets I collect my money in sets Once before the show and again when I jet So I get mine and I'ma get more Cause I'm financially secure and I'm sure So I don't need your tips or advice Cause I'm too nice for that to rap I can't stand mice I'm like a cat, kinda frisky Battling this risky business You might acquire dizziness Just like whiskey Isn't this enough? Oh, you think you're tough? Cookie? I think you better call your bookie Cause you can bet your life that I'ma play you like hooky On a Friday This is my day When I was through I heard you say Wadi Diss me like that I should've repent Somebody should've said the special ed was the magnificent Okay, so a lot of things there. Off the bat, I want to say that I remember listening to Special Ed, and I remember thinking this pretty much Special Ed's entire career. He's very, very give and take. He's very back and forth. He's very kind of like abstract, maybe for lack of a better word, with his style and stuff like that. And even just from listening to that first verse right there, you see a lot of give and take with him. And he always kind of, to me, not on every song, you know, and not on every verse or anything like that. But for the most part, I remember so many things happening when I listened to Special Ed where it would be like, dope line said in like a weird way where the rhyme wasn't in the right spot or it was a run-on bar or it was a bunch of run-on bars and a weak line and then he would do this crazy rhyme scheme and it was like oh it's good it's bad this is terrible this is awesome this is you know and it was just a kind of a constant thing with him so let's break down the bars that we just heard right here he said i'm the magnificent with the sensational style and i can go on and on for like a mile run-on bar a minute I get in it like a car and drive, and if the record is smash, I can still survive. Cause I'm the man of steel on the wheel that you steering, or rather playing on the record that you're hearing. So again, you see a bunch of things, you got the run on bar in the beginning, then he kinda goes into I get in it, which goes back to minute, like a car and drive, and if the record is smash, I could still survive. Which is a pretty, a pretty dope line, he's talking about going on and on and then he has like the metaphor with the i get in it like a car and drive and if the record is smashed i could still survive kind of saying you know i'll play on words with smash like smashing the car and a smash hit and then he says because i'm the man of steel on the wheel that you're steering or rather playing on the record that you're hearing which is a pretty decent line it's nothing amazing but you have because i'm the man of steel a on the wheel a that you're steering b or rather playing on the record that you're hearing, B. So, it's an A-A-B-B rhyme pattern. Wasn't able to mix the, the letters up there and kind of, you know, do A-B-A-B or A-B-B-A or anything like that. So, nothing super impressive there. But again, he does have four rhymes in the two bars. Two of the rhymes are two syllables. And the rhyme makes sense. It's, again, it's nothing great, but it makes sense. They lead into each other well. It's mostly, mostly average stuff here, give and take. You might not understand what I'm saying at first, so Action Love put it in reverse, and then he has the record kind of spinning in reverse, which, it's a little bit random, but I think he's kind of still just trying to play off the whole car thing, and, you know, you're not understanding what I'm saying, put it in reverse, kind of, you know, again, a metaphor with the car going in reverse, and kind of spinning the record backwards because you don't understand what he's saying, 
but it's nothing great there. And then he says, I'm just conversing with you, person. This is just a conversation. I'm special ed with the special presentation. So that's pretty good because conversing kind of goes back to reverse. So he says, just conversing with you and conversing person is two syllables on the rhyme. This is just a conversation. I'm special ed with the special presentation, which again, it's nothing crazy, but you do have the two syllables on the rhyme and he kind of makes another little play off of words where he's saying like, I'm special ed with a special presentation. Nothing too crazy, but he's had some decent things here, but he's also had some run on bars and some weird spots where when he says, I'm just conversing with you in person, then he never really rhymes anything with person. Then he kind of just goes on to, this is just a conversation. I'm special ed with the special presentation. And then he goes on to say, hey, I like to play. So for me, it's recreation. Which if you count, it's conversation, presentation, recreation. That's three bars right there. Which, again, you would never end your bar count on three. But he never rhymed anything with his first bar. So, again, a lot more give and take where you have nothing that rhymes with the first bar. Then the next three rhyme in a row and they all have two syllables on them. And he's got kind of, you know, a decent little play on words there with his name and stuff. So... Again, more give and take. I think most of this stuff has evened itself out for the most part. Then he goes in to say, it's not just a job, it's an adventure. If worse comes to worse, I've got your thirst quencher. Which is a pretty good line because it's not just a job, it's an adventure, A. If worse, B, comes to worse, I got your thirst, B, quencher. So he does mix up the letters there. He has an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern, which is pretty good. And again, that's... That's not a bad line. He's still feeding off of what he was talking about before. I like to play, so for me, it's recreation. It's not just a job. It's an adventure. If worse comes to worse, I got your thirst quencher. So he's kind of just saying that I don't really just do this for the money. I enjoy what I do, and not only do I enjoy what I do, but I'm good at it. So if you want that hit or you want those balls or whatever, I got your thirst quencher. And he puts it in a pretty decent way. He's got four rhymes on the two bars, two syllables on two of the rhymes, and he's got an ABBA rhyme pattern. So that's pretty good there again. Like I said earlier, he's done a bunch of good things here. He's had a couple of times with the different rhyme patterns. He's had a couple of times with two syllables on the rhymes. He's had a couple of times where he's had four rhymes in the two bars. But then again, he's had a time where his bar count was off. He had a line that didn't rhyme with anything. He had a couple of run on bars, stuff like that. So more give and take. Then he says, but you got to buy it. Don't even try it. I don't rhyme for free, no matter how dry it. Run on bar, and then that goes into gets. I collect my money in sets. One before the show, and again when I jet. So, I got what you want. I've got your thirst quench. I got your hits. I got your bars, whatever. But you gotta buy it. Don't even try it. I don't rhyme for free. You know, don't steal my shit. Don't tell me you like it, and then don't buy it. Don't ask me to keep going and not support me, shit like that. But then he has the run on Bob, no matter how dry it gets, I collect my money in sets. But you do have gets, collect, and sets, which is three rhymes on the one bar there, which leads into one before the show and again when I jet. Now these all make perfect sense. Again, it's a little easier to make sense when you have run on bars because it's kind of one long sentence. But then the other two bars are not run on bars and... They still feed off of what he was saying and they still make sense. So he throws in another four rhymes there and those two bars, all one syllable on them. But again, these lead into each other while they make sense. 
they're all pretty good lines. Not, nothing is great or amazing. There hasn't been any ridiculous lines, but for the most part, when you break down the words, the words have been pretty decent. The words have definitely been above average as far as the the amount of rhymes on the bars, the amount of syllables, and like just the lines and the things he's saying themselves. But again, with all the other things mixed in him, I think it keeps it back at an average score. Then he says, so I get mine and I'm gonna get more because I'm financially secure and I'm sure. Now, that's that's a little bit of a cop out to me. I get mine and I'm gonna get more because I'm financially secure and I'm sure. He does have the three one-syllable rhymes on there, but just ending that bar with I'm sure where you're not really saying it kind of sounds like it's gonna go into another run-on ball, which it really doesn't. After that, he says, so I don't need your tips or advice. I mean, I get what he's saying, I'm sure, of myself. I understand what he's alluding to, but it's just not really said in the best way. It's a, just a little bit of a shortcut, and he just needed kind of something else to rhyme with that. And it really is almost a run-on bar, because without hearing the next line, I don't want to say it doesn't make sense, but it's kind of random. But then when you hear the next line, so I don't need your tips or advice, you understand a little bit better what he's saying. But it's not technically a run-on bar because they do stand alone. You don't need them to be together. Then he says, because I'm too nice for that, you rat. I can't stand mice. I'm like a cat. Kind of frisky. So this is another one of those scenarios. And he actually does this for the almost the whole rest of the verse, I believe. He says, because I'm too nice for that, you rat. I can't stand mice. I'm like a cat. Kind of frisky. Battling is risky. Business. You might acquire dizziness, just like whiskey. Isn't this enough? Oh, you think you're tough? Cookie, I think you better call your bookie. Because you could bet your life I'm going to play you like hooky. Now, a bunch of pretty decent rhymes in there and a couple of cool little rhyme patterns. You have, I'm too nice, A, for that, B, you rat, B. I can't stand mice, A, I'm like a cat, B. So you have an A-B-B-A-B rhyme pattern there, which is pretty dope, but it's in the midst of a run-on bar. They all are one syllable, and then he says, kind of frisky, battling is risky, which is just one bar, so there's two two-syllable rhymes on the one bar, but it's another run-on bar, and it goes into business. You might acquire dizziness, which really is just ness and ness. Those don't really rhyme, but I, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here because he's using a cool rhyme scheme. And then he says, just like whiskey, which makes sense. If you drink too much whiskey, you're definitely going to get dizzy. And he's saying, you know, battling me is risky business. But saying battling me is risky business, you might acquire dizziness. And having that be a run on bar, it's really not a great line when you sit down and think about it. I mean, why would somebody get dizzy from battling you? I'm sure that you could find ways to spin this. I get what he's trying to say. But it's really not a great line when you break it down. It makes sense because he says just like whiskey, which goes back to the risky and frisky. But again, another two run-on bars, a couple of one-syllable rhymes, cool little rhyme patterns in there. Then he says, isn't this enough? Oh, you think you're tough, cookie? I think you better call your bookie. Which this is one of those things, again, where... If you stop right there, it almost doesn't make sense. Kind of like earlier when he said, I'm sure. It's like, what do, you, what do you mean? You're sure of what? And he says, you think you're tough, cookie? I think you better call your bookie. And it's like, why? What does that mean? Then he says, 
Because you can bet your life I'm going to play you like hooky. Which to me, you have cookie, bookie, and hooky. So you have three two-syllable rhymes. And it's a pretty decent line there. You could bet your life I'm going to play you like hooky. Coming off of I think you better call your bookie. I think there's better ways that this could be worded. But it is a pretty dope line. I think that there's more good than bad on that particular one. But then he has other ones where there's more bad than good. Other ones where there's more good than bad. We're seeing a lot of what you saw regularly from Special Ed in this song right here. Just really a lot of give and take all over the place. Dope rhyme patterns and, and rhyme schemes. Pretty decent words and lines and points. Uh, a lot of run-on bars. Couple of things that really don't make sense by themselves. Just a lot of give and take here. Then he says, On a Friday, this is my day. When I was through, I heard you say, why they diss me like that, which is another run on bar because you have Friday and my day on the first bar, which is really just fry and my day is the same word. And then when I was through, I heard you say, which rhymes with day in the first bar, that's a run on bar leads into why they diss me like that. And then he says, I should repent. Somebody should have said that special ed was magnificent. Which is really just the last syllable on that rhyme, pent and sent. But not a bad line. I mean, the song is called I'm the Magnificent. So decent way to end the verse there. I still think this song stays at average. There was just so much give and take. There was so many things in that verse that you could have taken points away for. There was so many things in that verse that you could have added points for. Overall, I would probably say there was a little bit more bad than good in that verse. But let's get into the second verse and see what he says here. I'm the magnificent dynamite, super dope, out of sight, special ed with my trusty pal. Action love the rope we shall continue to win you, yet this is not a game. But I'ma play you if you say you claim to be better. I hate rumors, I get tumors, and I jammies, get grammies, and yet I'm not an actor. It's just a factor that we're famous, so don't blame us for nothing. Action love is cutting, I'm on the rhyme. Skin your teeth and it's your beef that I grind like a butcher I put you on a table and let my DJ cut you But you're such a little sucker, I might not even touch you I bet you what you want is just attention Your mother and your father should have used some prevention Look at all the time and the money they spent And now you wanna die against I the Magnificent So really more of the same, if anything, probably a little bit worse in this second verse. Um, he did a lot of the same things that he did in the first one, but I, I just think this one was a little bit more so. So he says, I'm the magnificent dynamite super dope out of sight. So you have two three syllable rhymes on the first bar there, which is pretty good because it makes sense. So for you to say already just starting off with one line that makes sense. And you have two three-syllable rhymes on it. Okay, cool, good start. But then the next line, he says, Special Ed with my trusty pal. Which doesn't rhyme with bar one. So we're going to have a scenario here where he's not going to rhyme anything with pal. Or his bar count is going to wind up being off because nothing rhymed with the first bar. So he says, Special Ed with my trusty pal. Action love, the run we shall. Which rhymes with pal. So you have just two one-syllable rhymes there. 
and now his bar count is off because now the fourth bar, which should rhyme with shall, he says continue to win, which is another run-on bar there, yet this is not a game. So now the next bar should rhyme with game, but he's got to find a way out of this, this odd number bar scheme that he's in. But I'm going to play you if you say you claim to be better. So there's a cop-out again and a run-on bar and stuff like that and a scenario where his bar count is off. So in the first you know, four to five bars here, whatever it is, you have a scenario where his bar count is off for pretty much the entire time. You have just one syllable on most of the rhymes except for that very first line. And you have run-on bars and stuff like that. So a little bit more bad than good here probably on this one because he hasn't said anything that was that crazy to really overwrite all this bar count being off and run-on bars and things like that. So then nothing rhymes with better really because what he did was he just used claim in the middle of that sentence which rhymed with game before it. And his bar count is still off because that would be five there. So then instead of rhyming something with better, he doesn't rhyme anything with better. And he goes on to say, I hate rumors and I give tumors. Which now the next line should rhyme with that. But then he says, and I jammies get Grammys. So rumors and tumors is two two-syllable rhymes. And then the next one is jammies and Grammys, which is also two two-syllable rhymes. But the first bar there doesn't rhyme with the second bar there. Just one rhymes with itself and two rhymes with itself. It is four two-syllable rhymes on the two lines there. But again, you don't have the bars rhyming with each other. And it's kind of random and doesn't really make sense. I hate rumors and I give tumors. I mean, give tumors is quite ridiculous. Like I don't really know why somebody would want to brag saying I give tumors. It's just not a good line. I, I mean, you hate rumors. Okay, I get that, you know. Probably everybody hates rumors and you hate rumors and you give tumors really have absolutely nothing to do with each other. It's totally random. It doesn't even really have anything to do with what's been going on so far. And then he says, and I jammies get Grammys. So now I get what he's saying there about like, I think what he's trying to say is I'm out here doing all this hard shit, but then the people that want to play the part and look a certain way on the TV are the people that are getting the Grammys. But again, there's just so many things done wrong here as far as shortcuts and cop-outs and run-on bars and the, the bar count being off and certain lines not rhyming with anything that there's just more bad than good here. It's almost to a point where no matter what he says in this verse, it's just the way that it, he's going about delivering it is more bad than good. Then he says, yet I'm not an actor. It's just a factor that we're famous. Don't blame us for nothing, which is another two really run-on bars there because... None of that rhymes with each other. He's just throwing in random words at random parts of his sentence that rhyme with each other. Yet I'm not an actor. It's just a factor that we're famous. Don't blame us for nothing. Action love is cutting. I'm on the rhyme. So there's no real pattern there. He's just kind of just flowing and going on. And just because there's a couple of random words inside of his sentences that seem to rhyme, he's just dragging his sentences on and going and going. And he's not really saying anything too dope. He's not saying anything amazing or mind blowing. That's a, that's going to make up for all these shortcuts and run on bars and bar count being off and certain bars, not rhyming and stuff like that. It's just more bad than good here. Then he says, Goes on from action love is cutting, I'm on the rhyme, skin your teeth, and it's your beef that I'll grind. It's not really a great line, there's nothing amazing about that. 
like a butcher, I'll put you on a table and let my DJ cut you. So that's another scenario where you have butcher and putcher, which would be AA, and then table, which you think would be B, but then he doesn't rhyme anything with table. He just goes on to say, and I'll let my DJ cut you, and then uses cut you to go with for his next couple of sentences, but you're such a little sucker, I might not even touch you. Which is not a bad line in itself. I'll let my DJ cut you, but you're such a little sucker, I might not even touch you. I get that. That makes sense. You got three two-syllable rhymes on the two bars. But mixed with all of what went on and it being, you know, started off with a run-on bar, again, it's just more bad than good. The lines are not that good that they're overcompensating for all this other poor things that he's doing. I bet you what you want is just attention. Your mother and father should use some prevention. So that's a pretty decent line because it at least fits a pattern. Bar one rhymes with bar two. He's got two three-syllable rhymes in the two bars, which, again, it's nothing crazy, but three syllables on the rhyme is pretty good, and the line makes sense. It kind of reminds me of the line that Big L had when he said, uh, you ain't a leader, what? Nobody followed you. You was never shit. Your mother should have swallowed you. Now, I can't say that Big L got th that you know, idea of that line from Special Ed. It is kind of a similar insinuation. They're kind of saying the same thing that, you know, your father shouldn't have got your mother pregnant. He should have just, you know, she should have spit you out or he should have put you on the sheets or whatever way you want to say it. Now, Big L obviously words it a little bit different. I think the way that Big L words it is better, but Big L's came later than this and I'm just trying to allude that it's the same type of point being made. And that goes to show how there are ways that you could say things where you could get the same point across, but you could use a certain amount of syllables or a certain amount of rhymes, or you could say it in a certain type of fashion where it invokes a reaction out of people. So it's not just about the point you're trying to make. While the point you're trying to make is important, it's not the only thing. Then he says, look at all the time and the money they spent, and now you want to die against the eye, the Magnificent. This is another pretty good line because he says, look at all the time, A, and the money they spent, B, and now you want to die, A, against I, A, the Magnificent. So he has an A, B, A, A, B rhyme pattern there, which is, again, pretty good, and the lines lead into each other while they make sense. It's a pretty decent line. It's Again, it's nothing amazing or ridiculous, but... It's a pretty good line, coupled with all the little technical things that he threw in there. That's definitely a pretty decent couple of bars right there. He ended that verse pretty well, but there was just such a hole dug earlier. I, you know, I won't say that he's going to lose points for that, because I didn't think it was that bad to where he really should have lost points, and I thought that even if he got to that point where he was maybe right on the cusp of losing like a quarter of a point for that verse... I think the the last couple of bars salvaged it being an average verse. So again, so far, I would say a lot of give and take, and this probably remains an average here. So overall, man, I think just listening to that right now, that probably got a score of a one. Like I said, when you listen to all these things in succession and stuff like that, I do remember off the top of my head that Special Ed did do this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And like I said, it was a lot of give and take. But again... When you show an inability to kind of do certain things and it's going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine songs in a row, shit like that, you do start losing points in here for stuff like that. So 
I didn't take anything away from him right here. I, I could kind of understand maybe taking a quarter of a point away. There really was a lot, a lot of run-on bars in there and, you know, shortcuts and cop-outs and bar counts being off. And there was a lot of problems in, in both of those verses, mainly the second one. But I thought some pretty decent lines and some two-syllable and three-syllable rhymes and some cool rhyme patterns and stuff like that that were thrown in there. I, I thought it was enough to keep him at average. But again, listening to so many in a row, it might not have gotten a score of average when I scored it listening to his entire catalog in a row. That being said, now that I think that you got a pretty good example of what Special Ed was like, let's listen to what I wrote down when I was studying Special Ed. I feel like I may have heard the name Special Ed before starting this, just probably through word of mouth and discussing hip-hop often with different groups of people, but I certainly wasn't familiar with his catalog. He certainly had a decent amount of dope bars, but those were usually matched with equally weak ones as he was a bit inconsistent lyrically. He showed a decent ability to keep topic and tell stories, but finished just below average lyrically as his bars didn't always have much to do with each other. He mostly just rhymed words to rhyme words and had a lot of run-on bars. He only qualified four albums, three of which were average and one that was good. Of his 48 songs, none were great, four were good, and four were weak. Special Ed certainly is no household name, even when talking to people who enjoy hip-hop, but he did have clear influences on artists such as Jay-Z, Biggie, Graf, and a few others. Ed didn't necessarily look the part of your average rapper or seem to ride on any trendy waves. He was also relatively unique in both his rhyme style and song topics, etc. So, I really think you did see almost all of what I wrote down in that song right there. As far as the, the run-on bars, you know, some dope lines, things like that. So, getting into the math of it, lyrics, he gets a four and a half. Albums, he gets a 3.33 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a minus 0.83 like we spoke about. 48 songs, four of them a week. Um, no great songs, so he gets a minus there. Almost, minus almost a full point, which is nothing crazy, but it's, it's pretty significant because most of the scoring in this stuff goes by half points. You know, lyrics, four and a half, stuff like that, six and a half, whatever you're getting, people, but... There's no in-betweens with anything except for like albums and songs because that is just pure math that I'm doing addition and division and subtraction and stuff like that. So whatever that comes out to be, it comes out to be. The other ones I'm giving. So those are only going by half scores. So when you look at a minus 0.83, it's a little bit higher than, you know, say if he would have got a four lyrically instead of a four and a half. This song score affects him a little bit more than that. So it's, it's a decent number there. Like I said, only four weak songs, but less than 50 songs total and no great songs. So he loses a bit there. Impact, he gets a four and a half. There was only really clear influences on the three artists that I named. There was a couple of other things, you know, maybe two or three other things. Even what we spoke about in here where, you know, you heard a line, like I said to you, where Big L said something similar. I can't guarantee or pinpoint that Big L got that from him. So while I might mark down, you know, possibly Big L and the influences, I'm not going to state his name here because it's not something that I know for a fact where one thing came from the other, whether it's a sample or it was a beat used or something like that, where it's like, no, this person absolutely did this first and you did it later on. Um, I did see that with Jay-Z, Biggie, and Graf, but 
that's not a lot of of names and other than that there really wasn't anything else either we have had some people who were huge names or were say you know if somebody's big in the underground but not really commercially successful or maybe you don't see that many people took that many things from them but artists have stated that they really looked up to them and were inspired by them there really wasn't much here for special ed like i said i had heard his name but i mean we listened to his background you know no like crazy record set no really awards won or platinum records or anything like that a very small list of names of people that were clearly impacted or influenced by special ed not a household name not really a tremendous amount of commercial success so he got just a below average score i mean listen the guy did his thing you know he had a couple of albums and uh stuff like that but you know not enough to carry him above average there and i believe i could be wrong i'm not 100 percent sure about this again i don't remember every single thing that comes out of my mouth with this but i believe that he might be the first person that we've had that got a below average score for impact now for the first you know month or two of the show everybody was probably getting like seven and a half and up for impact i mean these are the these are the founding fathers of this shit these were the first you know real rappers and stuff like that so even if the list of names wasn't giant, you were still getting a big score for Impact because they paved the way for, you know, pretty much everybody that came after. Now we're up to 1989 here, and I believe this is the first example of a rapper being out and having a below average Impact score. So we could see that we're getting to a point in the music where there are starting to be people that are coming out now that, yes, they made the cut in my study, and yes, I may have heard their name or... They do have a significant amount of fans where I'm going to have some people who say, bro, I love Special Ed. What the fuck you mean? I get all that. But I'm just saying, all things being taken into consideration, he's one of the first guys that we see coming out here where they weren't very instrumental in the future of hip-hop and stuff like that. So, just something noteworthy to point out there. And then originality, he gets a 7, which I think you could see it in the song that we broke down. I mean... He was pretty unique with the way that he approached saying all these rhymes. Now, I want to point out how he lost points for having a lot of technical problems. His lyrical score was a little bit below average, four and a half, right? Where if he didn't have so many run-on bars or his bar count wasn't off or, you know, things like that, he may have been able to pull that to like a five and a half because he did have some pretty good lines. But all in all, it was weighed down by the lack of technical skill. Now, I want to point out that where he lacked in technical skill, I gave him points for that in originality. So the fact that he's doing all these crazy rhyme patterns and he has this unique way of delivering these rhymes and these cool run-on bars with these weird A, B, B, A, B patterns and he's... He's just odd and unique and different in the way that he goes about delivering his lines. I gave him credit for that. Like I said, that's the point of the whole study. I don't want people to lose points for being different. You might lose points in one area. You may make up for them in another area. And that's the whole point of the study is I want to see when you take everything into consideration... Who winds up finishing at the top? Who winds up finishing at the bottom? Obviously, I'm less concerned with who finishes at the bottom. I really want to see who finishes at the top. Even that top 25, I think, is going to be super exciting to just sit down and 
run off that list of names and feel really confident about the way that I came about that list and, and you know, where these guys are placed and stuff like that. So you add all those numbers up, you divide by five, you get a final score of 3.70, which leaves Special Ed in 96th place of 117 artists done. So not a great finish there, but again, I just want to allude to the fact that he did have some pretty dope lines and he did get a good score in originality. Not a giant impact there, so that weighs him down a bit. So I'm not trying to shit on Special Ed here. I'm not trying to say he sucks. He is in, you know, right around that bottom 20 so far right now. So he may finish, you know, inside of our bottom 50. He'll definitely be inside of our bottom 100, I would assume. And again, that's not to say that it's like a total lack of skill. You had the Beastie Boys or people like that who got like a three lyrically, I believe, and finished, you know, wherever they were, somewhere in like our top 25 or something that we have so far. So I just want to point out how this is not just about the bars or the rhymes or the, the any one thing, really. It's a totality of everything. And in the totality, this is where I feel that Special Ed deserves to be placed. Moving on to Jazzo, who also had his debut album in 1989. His birth name is Jonathan Burks, also known as The Jazz or Big Jazz. Born October 4th, 1964 in Brooklyn, New York City, New York, United States. His genre is listed as hip-hop and years active and listed as 1986 to present. I think this is pretty much the same thing as Special Ed. I don't think Jazzo has had anything out very recently. Probably still involved in the game. I know that... Even back when Jazzo was rapping, he still was a lot more heavily involved in other things in hip-hop behind the scenes, whether it was uh, producing or finding up-and-coming talent and stuff like that. So we'll get a bit into a background on Jazzo here. Jonathan Burks, born October 4th, 1964, better known by his stage name Jazzo, formerly The Jazz, is an American rapper and record producer active in the late 1980s through the 1990s, best known for being the mentor of Brooklyn rapper Jay-Z. Burks is nicknamed The Originator and had a song titled The Originators that featured a young Jay-Z in 1990. So a couple of significant things here to point out. I just spoke about how even when Jazzo was rapping, he was still highly involved in other things with hip hop, as I'm sure he's probably still is. And that probably alludes to his, uh, you know, actively present status, even though I don't believe he's had any albums recently. But I just spoke about that. And then when you read his background, really the best thing that you hear in his background is that he's the mentor and he's best known for being the mentor of rapper Jay-Z, which that's kind of bittersweet because to be Jay-Z's mentor is fucking amazing because I mean, a lot of people look at Jay-Z as being the best rapper ever. So to be his mentor is dope, but I'm not really sure if you want to be known as somebody that another rapper looked up to. Like, that's your biggest thing. It's like, well, he wasn't really that good, but somebody that was really good loved him. I don't think that that's what any artist really wants to hear. Of course, you want to be looked up to, you want to be revered, you want to be, you know, idolized or loved or whatever the case is. But I really think that you more so would probably want to be remembered for your art as opposed to somebody else that had more success than you loving your art. Again, it's, it's a cool thing. I'm not trying to take anything away from Jazzo, but I do think that we do need to point out that really the biggest thing that you're seeing in Jazzo's background is that 
he was involved with Jay-Z and he kind of found Jay-Z, so to speak. I mean, even, you know, they talk about The Originator, which was a song from 1990 that had Jay-Z in it. I believe Jay-Z's debut album, Reasonable Doubt, came out in, I want to say 1996. I'm, you know, I'm not 100% sure about that, but I it was definitely years after 1990. So, Jazz kind of has this cool dynamic where he has songs with Jay-Z like long before Jay-Z really ever officially came out. So, let's go to Jazzo's list. Let's hit random. And, wow, this is funny. We had two ironic songs come on today when we hit random on the playlist. First, we had a song that, in Special Ed's background, it talked about that song. And then we hit random, and that was one of the songs that came on, which was one of his more popular songs. And now, when I hit random on Jazzo's list, Hawaiian Sophie comes on. Now... Some of you are going to immediately crack up and know what I'm talking about when I say Hawaiian Sophie. Some of you are going to know what I'm talking about but not know the song. And some of you are going to have no idea what I'm talking about at all. Hawaiian Sophie is a song that Jay-Z is not featured in. He doesn't really officially have a verse or anything. But he's in the video and he does have one line in the song. This is a very old song. This is long before Jay-Z came out. And this is exactly what Nas is talking about in Ether, in case anybody didn't catch this line, when Hawaiian Sophie fame kept my name in his music. Hawaiian Sophie fame. So basically he's saying that, Jay, you're a clown. You got fucking famous off of some retarded song about some girl named Sophie from Hawaii. If you watch the video, I'm not trying to make fun of either of these guys, but just the time frame and the flat tops and looking at a young Jay-Z and... The whole dynamic is just kind of funny. I mean, the song is quite original. It's got like this Hawaiian kind of sound to it and stuff like that. So I'm not going to get too much into it. We'll put the song on. We'll break it down. But I just want everybody to know that this is kind of a known song. It's not a, an infamous or, you know, a big hit or anything like that. But it was just a shot that was thrown at Jay in a beef, in a very big beef, in a very big song. And stuff like that. So when you when you listen to it, listen for Jay's line and know that this is where that line came from by Nas. things in that first verse he says i'm discussing it so bust it cold profiling spent a little while in the hawaiian islands a couple of things there with discussing it and bust it it's not technically a rhyme but he kind of flows it decently there then cold profiling spent a little while in the hawaiian islands so he's got 
at bare minimum, he's got the three two-syllable rhymes on there with profiling, wildin', and islands. And he's basically setting the stage for what's to come here. He's saying, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to talk about it. I know you're not supposed to kiss and tell, but I'm going to talk about it. Cole profiling. I'm even going to say a name. I'm going to tell the whole story, a name, and everything. And then he goes into what he's saying. Spent a little while on the Hawaiian Islands. So those are the first two bars. I'll try to read these if they go in, you know, in a certain order as as much as I can without stopping. And he says, Off the plane and hospitality came correct. A gang of lays placed round my neck. Bathed by the sunshine and the seas of pearls. Fanned by tan skinned beautiful girls. A twitch of grass skirt caught my eye. I said, Aloha, baby. Word life, you're looking fly. I said, my name is Jazz, and you did amaze me when she said the rapper, yeah, me and my partner, Jay-Z. My witness, wasn't she stacked? Wasn't she jumping, slamming, working? So true indeed, Black. She said, I'd love to stay and chat, but I'll run on bar. See you at the luau. Won't that be nice now? Later on, we can examine each other more closely. And by the way, my name is Sophie. So a couple of things there. He keeps topic the whole time. He starts off with what he, you know, setting the stage with what's going to come. And he continues with that. Didn't really get off topic. So kept the topic there. And he had a couple of scenarios where he had cool rhyme patterns. He said, off the plane A and hospitality came A, correct B, a gang of lays A placed round my neck B. So he's got a cool little rhyme pattern there. Continues on with kind of this story he's telling, picture he's painting. Bathed by the sunshine and the seas of pearls, A, fanned, B, by tanned, B, skinned, beautiful girls, A. So another cool rhyme pattern there, A, B, B, A, is able to mix up the letters. Got four one-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. Continues on the story. This all makes sense. A twitch of grass skirt caught my eye. I said, aloha, baby. Word life, you're looking fly. I said, my name is Jazz, and you did amaze me. When she said the rapper... Yeah, me and my partner Jay-Z. My witness, wasn't she stacked? Wasn't she pumping, slamming, working? So true indeed, Black. So he's kind of basically getting into now. He kind of introduces Jay-Z and he's basically saying that now he's talking to the girl and she's like, oh, you the rapper? Yeah, me and my partner Jay-Z. And then he's kind of saying to him like, yo, didn't she look dope? And he's kind of like, true indeed, Black. She said, I'd love to stay and chat, but I'll run on bar. See you at the luau. Won't that be nice now? So that's kind of back to what we had with special ed where you have the run on bar, but you have a bunch of rhymes in there. You have a cool little um, play with the, the rhyme scheme and stuff like that. So that's a bit of give and take. Then he says later on, we can examine each other more closely. And by the way, my name is Sophie. Lines make sense leading to each other. Well, whole verse stuck with the topic. He's talking about the same thing the entire song. If he can do that, this is certainly a pretty original song topic. Even just the sound of the song itself is original. You know, with the Hawaiian type vibe. And he's telling this story about this Hawaiian girl. Let's see if we can keep on with the story. Let's see if there's any crazy plot twists or crazy ending to the story. See if we can keep the topic. But as far as the lines themselves, I would say that was mostly average. Probably more good than bad in that, but mostly average. But if he can keep this song topic the whole time, he'll have about a one and a half there. And then if he can just be a little bit above average, he could probably bring this to a good song by the end of the song if he could kind of keep in the same pattern that he's going right here. So let's see what he does.
while we're sharp. Right, Jay? Want a shrimp, money. Laugh the good food and tons of hunts. Eat and be merry. That's the drums playing. A real cool atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Tip through the crowd. Aloha, aloha. Mangled like a single. Then yo, I stop dead in my tracks. And my heart did freeze. Eyes wide, surprised to find Sophie. Smiling at the jazz for some reason or other. Clocking the brother. But standing with another. Who just so happened to catch her expression. Looked in my direction as a sign of aggression. Approaching me. And yo, I ain't lying. Was this big coconut eating barefoot giant. Face to face. I mean chest to face. My fist prepared to hook off in haste. Then Sophie. Sweeter than sugar. A good looker. Broke in between. Before a homeboy shook her. Grabbed her. Took her away on a wild tip. On a macho trip. That ain't hip. Look to my partner Jay. Yeah, I saw it. Shrugged his shoulder. Said, hey, I can't call it. I said, I think she should just up and go free. Then I can be with the girl next show. Okay, so mostly more of the same there. He says, the luau was sharp, right, Jay? And then you hear Jay-Z say, on the strength, money. Then he says, laughter, good food, and tons of honeys. Pretty basic stuff here. But he is continuing on with this picture that he's painting, this story that he's telling. Eat and be merry, festive drums playing, a real cool atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Tip through the crowd, aloha, aloha. Mingled like a single, then yo-I, run on bar. But he does have Aloha A, Mingled B, like a single B, then Yo I, which goes back to A with Aloha, Run On Bar, Stop Dead in My Tracks, My Heart Did Freeze, Eyes Wide, Surprised to Find Sophie's. Again, a Run On Bar, which goes into Smiling at the Jazz, but I want to talk about what he does here. So you have Stop Dead in My Tracks and My Heart Did Freeze A. Eyes B, wide B, surprise B, to find B, Sophie's A, and then goes into the run on bar. So he has an A, B, 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 A rhyme pattern there. But again, this is two run on bars in a row now. Then he says, smiling at the jazz for some reason or other, clocking a brother but standing with another. So now he's kind of saying that he's going around the party, saying what's up to everybody, looking around, and all of a sudden... He stops because he sees Sophie and she's staring at him, but she's standing with another dude. So now he's kind of confused. Like, I was just talking to you earlier and now I see you standing with some dude while you're staring at me. Then he goes on to say, who just so happened to catch her expression, look in my direction as a sign of aggression. So now he's saying that not only is she with another dude and staring at him, but the dude seen her staring at him. And now he's pissed and he says he looks in my direction as a sign of aggression. Approaching me and yo, I ain't lying, was this big coconut eating barefoot giant. Face to face, I mean chest to face, my fist prepared to hook off in a haste. So he's basically saying this fucking dude is huge. He gets over to me and he gets right in my face only he's not really even in my face. My face is only at his chest. And I'm at a point where I'm just like, yo, I'm about to just start swinging quick. Then he says, then Sophie, sweeter than sugar, a good looker, broke in between before homeboy shooker, which is a run on bar. Now you have sugar, looker, shooker, which is three two syllable rhymes on the two bars. But again, it runs into another run on bar, but he has kept the topic. He has continued to tell a story and paint a picture here. So he goes on to say, shooker, grabbed her, took her away on the wild tip. 
on a macho trip that ain't hip. So he does have a cool little rhyme pattern there where he's you know has the the good looker broken between before homeboy shooker grabbed her took her away on the wild trip on a macho trip that ain't hip, which is another three one syllable rhymes on the two bars there. So pretty good stuff, but he has had like four run on bars in his verse now. So I think these are again some give and take things that are kind of evening each other out here, but he's still done a good job with the story. So. He says, look to my partner, Jay. And then you hear Jay-Z say, yeah, I saw it. Shrugged his shoulders and said, hey, I can't call it. I said, I think she should just up and go free. Then I can be with a girl named Sophie. So he's got three one-syllable rhymes on the last two bars. And he's basically just saying, I just wish the girl would just leave and get away from this dude because... I'm not trying to fuck with any of this. This dude is huge and really I don't I'm not trying to do any of this anyway. I would rather just chill with Sophie. So let's see how he finishes off the third verse here. Jazzo Hawaiian Sophie featuring three little one lines from Jay-Z there long before Jay-Z ever came out. So when you hear that line from Nas now, you'll know what the hell Nas is talking about if you didn't before. Now let's break down the bars. As far as, I'll say this before we even break down these bars in this last verse. He was able to keep that topic the entire song. He was able to tell that story. And while I won't say... There was anything ridiculously insane that happened in that story. It was a pretty decent story. It had some, you know, some different parts where he goes into where he's going and how he's going to tell this story. And then, you know, he kind of introduces the girl into the story. And then it kind of takes a little bit of a turn where she's with somebody else and the dude's huge and he almost gets fucked up. And then, 
It goes on to later where he sees her and the guy comes back and it winds up being a fight and basically he fucks the dude up and his prize is is uh, Sophie. So pretty decent story there. It didn't end without an ending, which I've talked about in some other songs before where a rapper would try to like tell a story and he would kind of just run out of room on the song and there was no ending to the story. It just his bars ended because there was no more room left for him to rap on the way that the beat was formatted and you know I don't know for whatever reason he didn't want to add anything to it but I mean when you do things like that over and over again it shows the inability to tell a good story plain and simple and some people start off with a story and can't even keep it and they start rambling or they start off with a topic and then a verse or two later they're talking about something that has absolutely nothing to do with what they were saying earlier so Jazz did a good job here of keeping the topic, pretty good job telling a story. It was nothing mind-blowing that I would, you know, hit somebody and say, wow, like, you have to listen to this song. Like, this is crazy. You'll never see what's coming in this song. But, you know, off bat, it's an above-average song just based on that. So let's break down the bars. He says, walked along the beach by self till dawn, asking myself what the hell goes on. She's so thorough, but she got a man. He ain't right, though. And besides, she's a stranger to me, quite so. Which is not that great of a line. Again, it's not bad. It's not anything that's going to lose in points here. But it's very simplistic. It's just a one syllable on the rhymes. And it's it's not really a great line the way that he words it. It's kind of like an easy cop out. Those thoughts were troubling. Till the sunlight shone on a figure and I was bubbling. Really the same thing as the line before it. I mean, at least this one he has three syllables on the rhyme. with troubling, bubbling, but... The line really is kind of one of those things where he's just saying, you know, I was bubbling. I mean, not really a great line. I don't really think anybody would really speak like that normally. You're just saying it because you're trying to say that the thoughts were trouble and you needed something to rhyme with it. I don't think it's really great. I think a little bit more bad than good right there on those couple of lines. Then he says, like a dream it seemed when she approached me, talking about none other than Sophie. So he has like a dream A... It seemed, A, when she approached me, B, talking about none other than Sophie, B. So an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern there. Four one-syllable rhymes on the two bars. And there really was no shortcuts or anything taken here. These are decent lines. Very, you know, for the most part, very basic. But nothing really bad there. Looked into my eyes, anxiety gone. Told me she's been thinking about me all night long. I asked about the island kid. She said, what of him? I said, ain't he your man? What's up? Don't you love him? Sophie screamed she need a woman's dream, not a cartoon sucker from a comic scene. So he's got scream, dream, and scene. So three one-syllable rhymes there. I'm just trying to point out the things that are either above or below average and just let the you know the, the lines that are kind of just there telling the story be themselves. Close, embracing her eyes full of tears, but we spoke of the devil and slap, he appeared. Speeding toward us like a heat-seeking missile, but yo, I ain't no cat with that P initial. So he's basically saying, you know, it's kind of ironic. We brought up the dude, and once we brought him up, all of a sudden, here he fucking is. Uses the term speak of the devil, which a lot of people use, and then paints a picture again of he's speeding toward us like a heat-seeking missile. And he's basically saying, listen, man. This happened before, and luckily Sophie broke it up. I'm just telling you, you know, come at me like a madman or whatever the case is. I'm swinging, bro. I ain't no pussy. You know, little play on words there. I ain't no cat with that P initial. 
So, I mean, run over here like a madman, bro, and we're gonna fucking fight. So he says, homeboy was large. I must have been crazy. Sophie said, no. I said, yo, get out the way, baby. So he's kind of saying enough of this shit. Like, I don't know what I was thinking in the moment because the dude was fucking huge and I probably should have got killed, but fuck it. I wanted to hit him earlier and you ain't stopping me this time. I'm swinging. No words spoken. Major slugfest. 20 minutes and homeboy's head put to rest. Which, again, all these lines make sense. They lead into each other well. He's continued to do a good job with the story here, but the lines themselves are not really great. You just have fest and rest which is two one syllable rhymes on the two bars and i'm sure nobody was fighting for 20 minutes i'm not trying to be too literal and shit on this here but i do just want to point out where there is some like discrepancies a fight for 20 minutes is absurd nobody fights for 20 minutes and his head was put to rest i don't know it's just not really a great rhyme there's just a lot of better ways that you could have say that you knocked the dude the fuck out basically so then he says, all for the best, which goes back to Slugfest and rest, because the big prize, the trophy, was my heart of Hawaii, whose name is Sophie. Again, pretty decent ending there. I would say for sure that most of those bars, for the most part, were either simple or basic and just trying to paint a picture and tell a story, and the ones that were pretty decent were the balanced out by run-on bars and things like that he you know he had some cool rhyme patterns he had a couple of double syllables and things like that but he had you know a bunch of run-on bars not as many as special ed had but he did have a decent amount of run-on bars in all three of those verses um so i think that technically as far as the lyrics are concerned that probably stays in an average song and then the fact that you have this hawaiian sounding story type song about this girl named sophie I would say that at least pulls it up to a one and a half. So again, listening to all of his songs in succession and stuff like that would probably sway whether this song was given a two or a one. I'm kind of torn right now. It's right in the middle. I really would have no argument with anybody saying this is a good song. I would have no argument with anybody saying this is an average song. I think you could call it either one. It's right in the middle. It's right on the cusp. I lean a little more towards a good song off the top of my head right now because I just think there was a couple of other things that you maybe could have given him credit for where he wouldn't have lost credit for with the run-on bars and stuff like that. But again, today, I'm safe sticking in the middle. I have no problem with calling that either a good or an average song. And now that you've heard that, which I'm glad that that came on for a number of reasons. So if anybody didn't get the Nas line, now they do. You also got a sneak preview. We're only in 1989 here, and we're already getting a little sample of Jay-Z's voice there. He's already being brought up, which is crazy because he doesn't come out for like another seven years. But we do officially hear Jay-Z's voice on a record there. Again, he's not really rhyming or spitting any bars, but this is how Jay-Z had his come up. And you could see that even with Jay-Z being on something with somebody who was doing relatively well at the time and being in this video with him jay-z still didn't come out till another seven years after that and then jay-z really wasn't the huge figure that he is until another couple of years after that so you're looking at another decade after hearing this before jay-z really even got big so you can see that there was a lot of time and effort and work there probably put in by jay-z with you know, paying his dues and climbing the ranks and stuff like that. So now that you heard that, let's get into what I wrote down when I was studying Jazzo. I knew of Jazzo, ironically enough, 
mostly through his beef with Jay-Z, but had never really listened to a jazz album. Overall, lyrically, he was just above average, but you could tell he gave birth to Jay-Z's early rhyme style. He did get better as time went on, and around the middle of his career was rhyming a lot of words per bar as opposed to having a lot more one-liners later on. For some reason, he only dropped four albums, one of which was a a collaborative album, but three of those four albums were good and one was average. The originator was the creator of 42 songs, and although none were great, none were weak either, and he did have five good ones. Most people outside your hardcore hip-hop fans don't know who Jazzo is, and of those that do, most know him for putting Jay-Z on. He's also not a name you often hear on hip-hop heads' top lists. That being said, he did influence artists such as Biggie, Joe Budden, and Jay-Z. For the most part, the jazz was pretty original, didn't change his message, stayed consistent, and didn't seem to buy in on the bullshit. He made what he wanted to make and said what he wanted to say. So a couple of things I want to talk about with that. I spoke about how the only really way that I knew of Jazzo was through his beef with Jay-Z, which I didn't talk about so far, and I'm not going to get too into that. If Jazzo and Jay-Z were being broken down on the same podcast the way that L Cool J and Cool Mo D were, I would get a little more into the Jazzo and Jay-Z beef. I will touch on it briefly right now because I did bring it up, but they wound up beefing later on in their careers. I'm not sure that Jay-Z really ever officially made a song at Jazzo. I could be wrong about that, but I don't remember that happening. Jazzo definitely did have at least one song that I used to love directed at Jay-Z, which was called Over. I used to love that song. I thought it was a pretty hard diss. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing amazing, but I used to always fuck with it. I knew a couple of other Jazzo songs, but that's kind of how I was introduced to Jazzo. So I think it's kind of ironic that you have this guy that was around, you know, a, a ways before Jay-Z and they talk about in his background about how he's really most well known for being Jay-Z's mentor. And then I talk about in my breakdown how I really only know of him through beefing with Jay-Z. So it's kind of one of those scenarios where no matter what you do, Jazzo is kind of stuck in Jay-Z's shadow. Whether you know him for putting Jay-Z on, whether you know him for being Jay-Z's mentor, whether you know him for doing a song with Jay-Z, whether you know him for beefing with Jay-Z, he seems to be eternally tied to Jay-Z and can't get away from it, which I'm sure, I don't I'm not going to say it eats away at him, but again, as an artist, you want to be known for your art, not for another artist either liking you or disliking you or whatever the case is. So getting into the math of what I wrote down, lyrics, he gets a five and a half. Albums, he gets a 3.71 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a zero. He evens out in that category. No great songs, no weak songs. So it really doesn't matter the amount of songs he put out. Impact, he gets a five and a half, which is just slightly above average. And we had Special Ed who came before this who was just slightly below average. Now, when you talk about names here of who they clearly influenced, you have like the same number of names and actually almost the same names which is kind of odd. But the difference being that Jazzo was always a little more involved, as I spoke about earlier, with a lot of behind-the-scenes things, with you know making beats or finding unsigned talent or, or whatever you want to call it. And, I mean, really, just the mere fact that this is the guy who got Jay-Z basically into the hip-hop game and introduce the world to Jay-Z 
that almost alludes to an above average impact on its own because you basically birthed one of the biggest hip hop stars of all time. Now, I'm not saying that that alone is worthy of getting a giant score, but I think that coupled with the fact that he did influence three artists and when you speak to real hip hop heads and real hip hop fans, they do know who Jazzo is and he did bring in Jay-Z and stuff like that where I think Special Ed was just below average and really didn't have anything else or one other specific thing that kind of carried him. Whereas Jazzo did. It was a little more behind the scenes and he put Jay-Z on and stuff like that. Originality, he gets a 7. I spoke about in my breakdown about it. It was just... It wasn't that he was really super original in any one area, but he did a couple little things where, you know, like I said, he didn't change his message, stayed consistent with that, didn't really seem to buy in on a lot of the bullshit that was starting to come out around that time in the early 90s. He just kind of stayed with his thing, stayed in his lane, kind of paved his own way. There was nothing, again, super original about him. It wasn't that his songs were about these crazy original things or he had this insanely original image, but he just was consistent and seemed to just kind of stay who he was and do what he wanted to do. So you add all those numbers up, you divide by five, you get a final score of 4.34, which finishes Jazzo in 56th place of 117 artists done. So He's kind of just above the halfway point there. I probably figure he'll finish just above the halfway point when this is all said and done. I'm assuming halfway is going to be around 225. I see Jazzo probably finishing somewhere around the 200 mark. Between 150 and 200, but I think closer to the 200 mark. We'll see when all is said and done, but that's just my guess. Um, As far as who we've covered so far in the list that we have now, I spoke about how the rest of the 80s, we're going to stick to a top 20%. The 80s will finish with June. We'll pick up next year in the 90s in January. So when we go on to season two next year, we're going to switch this to a top 15%. But I do also want to say that although neither of these artists today that we covered cracked the top 20%, we are now closer to 50 artists done than we are to 40 So at this point, the top 20% list has grown from a top 8 to a top 10 now. So what does that mean? Since we've grown from a top 8 to a top 10, and neither of these guys that we covered today are in that list, that means that at least two people that weren't named last week are going to find their way back into this list this week, which could continue to happen as we grow and go down the line. So your current top 20% final list of artists that we've covered so far reads as follows. In the top slot, we still have KRS-One, who's overall in 6th place of 117 artists done. Just behind him in 8th place, we have Slick Rick, and directly behind him in 9th place, we have Rock Him. Next, not too far behind, we have Rev Run of Run DMC, who's in 12th place of 117 artists done. And directly behind him, we have LL Cool J in 13th couple of slots behind that, we have Will Smith, who's in 15th of 117 artists done. And then again, a couple of slots behind him, we have DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube tied for 17th place of 117 artists done. That was our top eight, and that's where it ended last week with our top 20%. This week, we find Big Daddy Kane, who we have in 20th place of 117 artists done. 
And behind him, we have Chuck D, who's in 22nd place of 117 artists done. So those guys sneak back in at 9 and 10. Yay! BDK and Chuck D. Welcome back to the list. Glad to have you back. We'll see how long BDK and Chuck D can hang on to here from this point forward. We have people next week that finish in the top 10. They're probably going to get pushed out. If we continue to have nobody for the rest of the 80s finish up in this top, we're going to keep seeing people come back in that were knocked out prior. So just once again to run over the list here, the top 20% final list of artists that we've covered so far in the podcast reads as follows. Top slot, KRS-One, followed by Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run, LL Cool J, Will Smith, DMC and Ice Cube, Big Daddy Kane, and Chuck D. So there's your top 10 and your top 20% final list of artists that we've covered so far. Your current top 10% lyrically, which doesn't change again as far as the artists that we covered today cracking this, but it does change in the same manner that the top 20% of the final list changed where we have other people who were knocked out sneaking back in here. So in your top slot, Again, we have KRS-One who gets a lyrical score of 7. Behind him, we have a three-way tie for second place with Will Smith, Rakim, and Cool G Rap. They all have a a 6.5. We speak every time about how Will Smith is much closer to a 6 than he is to a 7, and how Rakim and Cool G Rap are closer to a 7 than they are to a 6. So a little bit of a gap there where Rakim and Cool G Rap really are technically probably a little better than Will Smith lyrically. But they all fit in that six and a half range. And then behind them, we have another three-way tie at fifth place with Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, and Guru all getting lyrical scores of six. So BDK also sneaks back into our top 10% lyrically. So a nice comeback week for him, fitting back into the top 20% final list of artists covered so far and also sneaking back into the top 10% lyrically. Slick Rick also makes his way back into our top 10% lyrically, while Guru makes his first appearance here. So when we covered Guru, a 6 wasn't making it into our top 10% lyrically. Now, since the number of artists covered is growing, the top 10% lyrically is growing, and Guru makes his first appearance here. Now let's see how long... Guru and the others that came back in with a six here can hang on to their spots, whether we have people in the following weeks that get higher than six or whatever the case may be, or maybe not, and we finish out with these guys hanging on to their slots. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast, all spelt normally. And if you're feeling like a generous person, you can visit the host site at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes and you can hit the donate button. Donate for a lot of money. Send your boy Formsy mad money. <laughs> know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's it, man. That's that's week 19. That covers Special Ed and Jazz O. Next week, we will have on the DOC and Freddie Fox, a.k.a. Bumpy Knuckles. A lot of people have the common misconception, myself included, that the DOC was in NWA. He really never was officially in NWA, so he's going to be covered here by himself. And we also have Freddie Fox, who goes by the name of Bumpy Knuckles as well. I don't know if you know either of those names. You may know both of them. You may know neither of them. 
Freddy Fox is a little more of an underground dude probably than most of the artists that we've covered on here so far. So I'm definitely interested to see how this pans out. You got a guy that really wrote a lot for NWA but really wasn't officially ever in NWA. And then you got another guy who really as far as his approach to music and his commercial success and what he was trying to do, I think he's probably the number one quote-unquote underground type guy that we're really going to get here so far. Now, that's not to say that hip-hop heads don't know him or that he didn't have any type of success or anything like that, but again, I just think his approach and his ultimate goal and you know the way that he goes about creating his music and what he wants out of it is a little bit more of an underground approach than anybody we've covered so far on the show. So again, that concludes episode 19. I will see you next week for episode 20 with the DOC and Freddie Fox. Peace. Tell of the tapes. Might as well.